The following audio content is a talk from Convergence, a service for young adults at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at upc.org forward slash young adults. Um, in, in light of something like this, there's a sense of almost um, that sense of uh, us entering into the Holy of Holies where, um, honestly, the, 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 the way of the temple... Um, Back in the in uh, Jerusalem, before the t- the temple was torn down, was this centerpiece of the whole structure. Where you would walk, you would come in, and, and uh, if you were the, the the person chosen out of this small small group to come in, it would be to to uh, shut your mouth, take your shoes off, and be very very quiet. And there's sometimes where I feel this sense of of us coming into a moment like this where. Maybe the best thing for us to do would just to be sitting in silence for each with with each other, um, out of respect for what's happened. It's it's an, it's at a magnitude of, of which I can't comprehend. I can't comprehend two hundred thousand bodies. I can't get it. I keep trying, um, but I am going to try tonight. And so I ask you just bear with me and. Um, uh, to uh, just be with me and um, think with me. Um, ultimately, what I'm hoping for in this in this series on communication, a situation like this, there's no time when good communication is more crucial. A wrong word can cut very deeply. A careless word can cause damage that is hard to forget. People meaning very well, speak quickly, and um, don't realize the weight of their words. And we as the body of Christ are called, I think, to be people that take communication extremely seriously, especially in a time like this. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, give us grace today. We know you do. But help us walk humbly, Lord. Boldly, confidently, because we know that you go before us. We know that you do not leave us alone. We know that the work of the church right now is not going to be a human endeavor. We know it is going to be your spirit. But Lord, we ask tonight that you would help us through your word Let us glean something. We're sleepy, we're tired, we're exhausted, we've been working all day. Lord, some of us have got our minds on 6,000 different things, and we ask your grace to just bring us here together right now to focus on one thing, to let everything else go just for a little while, to trust it into your care, to lay it at your feet. And trust that while we pay attention to your word, that you will take care of what's going on in our lives. That you'll hold it. We want to be a body that speaks well. To be people that build bridges, especially in a time of destruction. We do. That is our heart. We confess, Lord, that we don't know what we're doing so much of the time. So we just lay that out there. 
God, I ask that you would take that open, broken space in our hearts and fill it by your Spirit. Equip us to go forth and be people that speak by the power of your Spirit with skill and reverence and humility. All God's people said, Amen. James, it's interesting, I, was, I, I chose the passage from James, I was listening to a preacher last Sunday and I thought this would be a great passage for us tonight. And it's interesting because James wrote, the, the beginning of the, of the book of James, it says, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. It really doesn't identify the actual James, we don't know exactly who it is, there's a lot of different theories, it may have been his brother, it may have been an appointed leader of the church, it may have been um, several different people that get mentioned throughout the New Testament. But the, the interesting thing is we're, we're fairly certain that the book was written in a time when it was extremely chaotic for the, for the early Christians. Um, there would have been, they would have been in the middle of, of, of dealing with Roman oppression. There's all kinds of stuff going on around them. And there's this little tiny band of, of people that are starting to emerge as, as the Christian church. They're starting to be recognized not merely as one more sect of Judaism. They're starting to be seen as their own separate body. And that can raise, that raise the, the bar a little bit or raise the, the stakes a little bit for them. And so James is coming at them almost like a book of Proverbs, almost like a, a, a list of practical how-to kind of instructions in order to get through what was an incredibly tense time for them, incredibly tense. And um, so when you read it, sometimes you'll be reading and he's over here and then he's over here and the order doesn't necessarily follow and they'll be boom, 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 boom. And what he's really trying to do is he's trying to say, look, we as a group, we have got to get equipped to speak well into the midst of chaos. We have got to be people, and I'm going to use this word, we've got to be people that when we use communication that we build bridges. That there's this sense that when we get done, there's now a link between us that we can travel on. See, communication, and well, I tell you what, when I get frustrated, I don't know if you're like me, but there can be a wall. I can be talking about bridges, but after how I did it, or, or the timing of when I did it, or what I said, there's a wall now instead of a bridge. And what I think Jesus is asking for me is saying, Dave, look, I want you to get better at being someone who communicates in a way that when we're done, there's a bridge between you and that other person, or you and that other body. And I, I, my, my belief is that's what God is calling all of us to. And James is certainly about that because he's saying, look, if you're careless with how you talk, if you just shoot from the hip, if you let your emotions just get out in front of you and follow them with words, you know that feeling? Your emotion just goes, I can almost feel it coming up into my chest. The emotion comes out and then I've got to find words to match the emotion. And then nine times out of ten, I've got to come back and apologize. You know that feeling? What he's saying is, look, I want you to get to that place where the words that are coming out of your mouth have got more of a sense of wisdom, more of a sense of doing good work. I want them to function towards the idea of building a bridge, not building a wall. So he says this, I'm going to start in chapter 1, verse 16. He says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. He says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. And I love this line right here. He says, who does not change like the shifting shadows. You see, something like this happens in Haiti, and I can suddenly, I can be walking along with God and feeling like there's sort of an agreement that God is going to sort of keep things safe as long as I keep doing the right things. 
And I have this sense of peace, this sense of steadiness. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever been through an earthquake, but I have. I used to live in Southern California. And I remember that feeling. Some, some of you remember it when we had one in Seattle. But you remember that feeling of what was solid, suddenly not solid at all. And there's that sense of what you trusted is suddenly giving way. And it's sort of this idea of almost like God broke a deal. Like God promised one thing, we're leading on, hey, we're good, we're good, we're good, and then the ground drops from under you. Some of you know what that's like. You've been in a relationship that was like that. You were walking along, everything is solid, everything is solid, everything, words are being spoken, we're starting to talk about marriage. I know it's only the third date, but I really think you're the one. I mean, I I know, I shouldn't say anything. And you're thinking, oh, that's incredible, because I think that too. And then you know you're walking along, you're walking along, and suddenly the ground drops from you and somebody changes their mind, that feeling of being heartbroken. Or you're into a job and you feel like that sense of, God gave me this job. And there's a sense of solidness, a sense of, of, of rock underneath you. And you're walking along and you're walking along, and then all of a sudden something happens and you don't have the job. And there's that feeling like God broke a deal. And what James is saying is, don't believe it, God is the same. Now, your theology may have to shift. Your view of God may have to be doing some work. You may have to go into prayer and figure out what happened. But James is saying, be assured of this no matter what happens, no matter what is going on with the ground underneath your feet. God was the same yesterday, and He's the same today. He'll be the same tomorrow. He doesn't change. He goes on. And He says, He chose... To give us birth, it was God's choice, didn't have to, through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. I love that idea. This idea that God is looking down and saying, I want to build you. See, I'm going to do an amazing, incredible thing. Eventually, this whole world that you see, this whole world that has fault lines that break apart where we've built houses. Eventually, one day, that's all going to pass away. I want to let you know, this isn't the end of the story. This is like a middle ground. This is the middle of the story. I want to let you know that. But in the middle of the middle, I want to kind of make you into something that people are going to see as a kind of a sign that this isn't the end. That this isn't the end of the story. That there's more coming. Because I want your life to look like something that can't be explained by simply your talent or your intelligence or your economic background or your ability to be funny. I want to do something in you that when people look, they will say, how on earth did this incredible thing happen out of this broken person? I want you to be kind of a first fruit. Kind of this idea of, of, of looking. There's a greater harvest that's going to be coming. More fruit's going to be coming. But you, you're like the first apples to grow on the tree. I want the world to see that. Does that make sense? 
He said, this is my plan for you. So if you're walking around right now and you're saying, I don't know what God's will for me is. One of the neat things is to say one thing for sure is that God stays the same. God hasn't changed. God is steady. God is moving. God has always been. God, is all, God always will be steady. And, and the second thing that you can take is that you are not an accident. That you are special. There's something about you that God goes, amazing. Incredible. Now I know that some of the stuff that we've gone through in our lives covers that up, makes it hard to see, like layers of sediment. Just layers of dirt that cover that up make it hard to see. We get bitter, we get angry, we spread rumors, we block people out of our community. We're hard to get to hold of. We're hard to get we're hard to get breakthrough. You know Seattle's like that. You know, people come move to Seattle and they're like, I can't make friends. You know, well, that's hard. It's tough. We're not like the Midwest. I lived there for a while. There was like, hey, how are you? Like, oh, my gosh. So great to see you. <laughs> Holy cow. You're great. Come over to my, ha- my family. We'll all have dinner together. It'll be great. Here's, here's some extra clothes. I've been saving them for you. They're incredibly warm out there. We're not quite that way here. We're just kind of like, we figure you're probably okay. You're probably good because I'm, I'm good. You're probably good. We're a little chilly at times here in Seattle. We can be. This idea of it's hard sometimes, but what God is saying is underneath all of that, there is something inside you that is just incredible. It's just awesome. Makes God smile. Makes God happy. Loves watching your life. Loves watching the times when you step forward out of faith. Loves watching when you take little tiny steps forward to grow up. Takes little risks to reach out. To build bridges. God loves that. Goes on. And this is where he start, James starts drilling down. He says, my brothers and sisters, take note of this. In other words, listen, don't let this go by. He's saying, you've been reading. You know how it is where sometimes you've read like two or three pages. And you're like, what did I just read? That was my entire college career right there. I mean, it was like I did the, you know, the total like, what did I just read? I don't remember. And, um, and so what he's saying is, wake up. Don't miss this. He goes, this is super important. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, he says, take note of this. He says, you must understand this, my beloved. I'll read in this translation. He says, be, let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. This is our memory verse. Let's do it together. And this is how we do it. This is a, just a little formal way of doing it. We start with a verse, then we read the verse, and then we say the verse again. It's a little bit, kind of a little bit like Bible camp. I told you that last week. All right, everybody with me? James 1.19. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. James 1.19. That's so Everybody, give yourselves a little bit of a hand. That was good. Good. Okay, let's do it one more time. James, everybody. James 1.19. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, Slow to anger. Okay, my challenge to you, James 119, oops. I always flunk Bible camp, I gotta be honest with you, so that was good. Now here's my challenge to you. My challenge to you this week is to jot that down and see if you can put it to memory. This is one of those verses. This is one of those verses. When you are in the thick of communication that's going south fast, this is one of those alarm clock wake-ups that can save a relationship from going bad. This is one of those things that can save a conversation from tanking. This is a really important verse to have really quickly. That's the reason why sometimes I'm not always a big proponent of, of doing memory verses, but where they can be really helpful is having a quick recall. Does that make sense? 
So this is a great one. So three tools. I'm going to give you three tools based on this on bridge building. You ready? All right. The first one, create listening opportunities. He says, the first thing he says, he says, my beloved brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. If we want to build bridges, one of the first things that, that I'd love to put in front of your mind is to think about how can I create a listening opportunity? Now, that's really, really different than thinking about how can I get that girl to like me? Or how can I get those people to be my friends? Or how can I get that person to give me the job? Does that make sense? It's moving away from the, idea, from the, from the product and getting yourself rooted on the process and trusting the product to God. Does that make sense? It's a shift. It's a, it's, it's a subtle shift, but it's a powerful one. When you're approaching these certain circumstances and you're thinking about how do I use communication to build a bridge, one of the first things I can do is just be quick to listen. So I want to work on trying to create a listening opportunity. I want to try to, 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 find, some place, to find some way when we're going to interact where I end up being the listener instead of the talker. I was in Rwanda in 1995, right after the first wave of the genocide. And I went over there with two other pastors and a layperson, and uh, the four of us went over there to try to work with what was left of the pastors from every single province in the country. Now, I got to tell you, some of those pastors that were coming didn't own their own Bible. They're 20 years old. And they were a pastor, not because they'd gone to seminary and been ordained. They were a pastor because someone in the village said, you're our pastor because our pastor was killed. So some of them had never opened a Bible in their life, and suddenly that's their job. And we went over there, and our task was to go over there and do leadership equipping, to go over there and give them some sense of tools on how do you work as a leader and as a pastor. And one of the things that one of the pastors there was so great about instructing us on is he says, you know, we're going over there with a mission, but our primary mission is to go over there and to create opportunities where we get to listen because these people need to talk. These people have stories they need to tell, and so do all of you. You all have a story. All of you have come from some place. You've been through something that was so challenging it almost broke you. You didn't know if you were going to make it. You drew on everything you had. Some of you are still in the midst of that struggle and you've got a story to tell. Now I want to tell you, you look around this whole room and you're afraid to make friends. I want to tell you one of the ways to go about it is instead of thinking about making friends, think about creating listening opportunities where someone gets to tell you their story. Maybe a little snippet of their story. Maybe just a little bit about their day. Just a little bit that they get to tell you. Create a listening opportunity. You can start that by saying, hey, is this your first time here? They say, no, I've been coming for a long time. Oh, really? Where are you from? All the time, what I'm doing is I'm creating a place where I get to listen to them talk. I get to listen to them tell their story because I know that people need to tell their story. Now, hopefully, at some point, this person's going to create a listening opportunity for themselves and I get to tell my story. 
And hopefully after that person's told their story and I get to tell my story, I have to remember their name, they're going to remember my name. And next week I come back, I know a little bit of their story. Their story is almost like this precious gold that they've given me. It's like their most prized possession. They've given me a little bit of something. They've handed it to me. So I'm just going to give you a little bit of this. By the way, that story is my most precious thing I have. You get to have a little bit of it. I'm going to give you a little bit of it. And that next week I come back, guess if that person and I have got a bond? You bet we do. Now I go to that person and my whole instinct is to try to make a friend. That's anxious and awkward and uncomfortable. And I don't want to be around uncomfortable. So I'm going to do the best I can to get out of this and not talk to you anymore. And that's unfortunately true. I don't like that about myself, but it's true. But if I think about creating a listening opportunity, if I think about being quick to listen, James is saying, be quick to listen. you got all this chaos going all around you. Create a listening opportunity. Some of you have got families that you guys have got the walls. Communication has made the walls. You know how your parents keep telling you over and over and over again, they want you to do that one thing. If you could just get that one thing right, then everything would be great. We'd all be proud of you. We'd all be happy. We'd all be good if you would just, you, if you, we would all be good if you could do... And you just put that wall up because you can't take it anymore. One of the things I have, I do these groups. One of the things I have them do is go back and do parent interviews. Because I go, I start asking questions. I go, how come your parents are anxious like that? Why, why, why do they care? I don't know. What was it like when you were born? But were they... Were they doing well? How, how were things? Was it a peaceful house? Was it an anxious house? No shame, just facts. Just want to know. And it's incredible when people go back and they start talking to their parents. They just ask them interview questions. It's not to punish them like a lawyer. Well, there you go. You know, the prosecution rests. I knew you were wrong. It's not that. It's creating a listening opportunity where you parents finally go, oh, I get to tell you the most important thing I have, which is my story. I get to give you a little bit of my story. I'll tell you. It was hard. I had never been a parent before. I didn't know what I was doing. We were winging it. Oh, thanks for asking. Create a listening opportunity. You've got people in your family. I want to challenge you to think about where's the walls and what would it be like if you were in a very, very non-threatening way working to be quick to listen, to create a listening opportunity. Maybe it's over a phone call. You know, Dad, I was thinking about you the other day and I was thinking, you know, why did you go to seminary? Why'd you go? That's my dad. I did ask him that question, by the way. It was interesting to listen to him. First, first answer was, I don't know. Because that'll be the answer 90% of all the guys will give you right off the bat. <laughs> I don't know. Was it good? Yep. It was. It was good. How was it? Fine. You know, those are the first answers you're going to get. But I didn't give up. I didn't give up. I hung in there and I said, no, Dad, I really want to know. Why did you go? And unravel this story about my grandfather, who had also gone to seminary. And the pendulum swinging of theology. Different ways of looking at God and ways of searching it out and trying to find a way to, to connect with his own dad. And this whole part of his history that I had no idea about because we created a listening opportunity. We talked for probably 45 minutes. My dad, just for Christmas this, week, this year, my dad's, my dad's one, of the, one, of the, one of the most wonderful people I know. He's a terrible Christmas gift giver. And I hope he doesn't ever listen to this. But he, he really is. He's really, he's really awful at it. 
But this week, this year, but sometimes he gets it right. Sometimes. And this year he gave me, in a box, he gave me a coffee grinder and a, and a, and a bag of the coffee that I, I don't like this kind of coffee. Um, but, and I don't need a coffee grinder because I always get my coffee ground. And a, and a mug, which I don't drink it out of the mug. I have my own little thing, my own little travel mug that I have to put in my, if I use that, it would spill all over my car. But here's what he said. He said, you know what? This is for those Starbucks coffee conversations we've been having, and I want more of them. <laughs> oh, I did too. I was like, oh, I'm going to start drinking breakfast blend, you know. <laughs> Create a listening opportunity. Number two, learn the art of pausing. He says, be slow to speak. Slow to speak. I was in Kenya, and this time I was taking a group of college students. We met with a group of co- college students from the from uh, University of Nairobi, um, right? Yeah, and uh, we got together and we 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 paired them up and had them each live in a host family's house. Then we took all of them. There was about twenty of them, and we climbed Mount Kenya, which is sixteen thousand feet high. Great trip. And I, we, we worked there with um, Nairobi Chapel and a, and a senior pastor who I think just spoke at Urbana, a guy named Oscar. And um, Oscar was the one who taught me the art of pausing. You see, I came from a church that was move, 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 move. It was a well-oiled machine, very good at what they do. But there was always a sense when someone would come up and talk to you, you'd go, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Uh-huh. They're telling you your story. They're giving you the most precious thing they have. And I'm going, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Because what I'm thinking is, what? What? When are you going to be quiet? Absolutely. When is this going to stop? Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. It's kind of like a shoving someone out the door. You know, uh-huh, uh-huh. Right? You're on the phone. You're, you're with someone. They're going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oscar came along, and I, here I am, 27 years old. And I'm sitting there talking with him, and he would just lean up against the wall. And when I would get done with a sentence, he'd, he'd do this. I'm not going to be able to do this right for you, but he'd use the letter N. And he'd go, hmm. <laughs> Which told me, I can tell you more. And, and when I could take it, hmm. This kind of contented, restful noise. <laughs> And I was like, he said the letter N. No one says the letter N when they're, no one, none of us go, mm, none of us did. But I do now. I do that. And the reason I do that is because I don't like when I'm sharing my story to be, hur- to be hurried. I don't like it when people go, uh-huh, 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 right at the very last syllable of the last word of your sentence. You know, you're saying, so then I do that, uh-huh. That to me makes me feel, I'm getting anxious. You know, there's this feeling of being like, slow down. Learning the art of pause. If you want to be someone who uses communication to build a bridge, one of the tools you can do is to be slow to speak. Learn how to pause. It's okay to have some silence. It's okay to take in what they say. You may be the first person in their whole life. I'm serious. You may be the first person in their whole life that has ever taken a full sentence of what they have to say and just let it rest in you. Can you imagine how healing that could be for somebody? Can you imagine how healing that might be for you if someone were to give you that gift? 
the art of a pause. Learn the art of a pause. Just to hear their sentence and just think about it for a second. And sometimes when I'm working with people, I kind of coach them to say, you kind of got to get the oh my gosh part of what they're saying. If they're telling you their story, what would it be like to be in their shoes, in that pause? And sometimes for me, it's just two seconds. It's just two small seconds. But what I try to do is I'm just trying to take in, why is this incredible? Like, where's the oh my gosh part of what you're saying? I want to let it sink in and have its effect on me. You just told me that when you were a certain age that your parents got divorced and that then you moved out to Seattle. I want to get a little bit of that. Holy cow, you are a pioneer. You're someone that totally branched out. You're, you're courageous. I want to get a little bit of that. If you want to build bridges, and I'm talking in the background, you're talking about building relationships or getting friends or getting a better community or trying to get inside of a circle in Seattle where we're all so closed. One of the things you can do is create a listening opportunity. When you have that listening opportunity, one of the things that you can do is not feel the pressure to have to say something profound or to, 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 to immediately take away what they're saying to you in terms of its awfulness. If they give you, if they give you, over time you work up a friendship or a, a relationship and they give you a detail, you don't have to immediately chime in and give them the answer. If they've got a question about God, you don't have to immediately tell them how God works. Because you may not know. A pause. What Oscar told me, told me in Kenya, that guy knew so much more than I did. I'm chatting on about my experience of working in a mission trip in, in Africa. He's seen hundreds of these people go through. But what he gave me, and I'm telling you, this is all these years later, I still remember. I remember someone who was able to slow down, stop what he was doing, and just pause while I was talking and just take it in. Such a gift. Never forgot it. You can give that. You don't have to be brilliant. You don't have to have the theological answer that's, gonna, uh, that's going to explain Haiti. But you can pause while someone's telling you about their fear about Haiti. You can take in the emotion they may be feeling while they're scared for somebody in Haiti. You might be able to shoulder a little bit of the grief while they're still sad about the deaths in Haiti. You can do that. You're off the hook. Don't have to be wise. Don't have to be profound. Don't have to solve. You guys, you know what I'm talking about. Gal comes to you with the problems of her day and you're already racking your brain going, oh man, as soon as she stops, I've got to have six answers ready to go that are going to take away this anxiety. And you know the truth is, not so that she's not anxious anymore, it's so that you're not anxious anymore because she's anxious. You understand that like, like it's spreading. It's like, oh man, what do I do to make this stop? Calm her. <laughs> to just pause and get it. Let it sink in. What would that be like to be in their shoes? You need some time to get that. Isn't that a little bit of the work of the cross? Taking on for just a little bit the life and burden of another? Just for a minute. Third thing is to manage your emotions. Ah, this is hard. 
Some of you, like I said in the beginning, you're like me, you kind of have the emotion first and then your words are trying to follow them, you know? It's like, like Pac-Man trying to find their, like, you know, like this, I've got my anger. And the reason I'm angry is... How are you doing? How was your day? Your emotions are way out in front of you. And what, what James is saying is, look, 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 look. Things are tense around you. Things are going on. Bullets are flying. The world is confusing. Everything is going on around. One of the things that you need to do is take responsibility that you have emotions. You have them. God built you that way. That's okay. You're going to be angry. You're going to be sad. You are going to be frustrated. You are going to be upset. These emotions are going to arise in you, not because you went into a store and said, hmm, let's see what you have today. I think I'll take outrage. That's a good one. I'll have outrage today and then maybe a sprinkling of joy. That'll be great. I'll have these two today. Thanks a lot. No, they just arise, they come, they just, the way you're wired, they come up. But James is saying, it's crucial for you to manage them. You've got a responsibility, I've got a responsibility. Now, i got to be honest. Having been to Rwanda, one of the things that one of the Tutsi leaders, as we were in this room with 65 of these leaders that we've been with for, for a couple of weeks, and one of these Tutsi leaders is probably about 6'4". And I had my translator that was with me, and he was talking, Tutsi talking like this, and the translator's like this. So, so I'm just hearing these two voices, rapid fire, rapid, 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 rapid fire. And he said one of the toughest things to do is that all of us have to sit with the sadness of what's happened when we feel so much anger. We have to sit with the sadness because my neighbor is still not finished mourning the loss of his little girl named Grace that he named because he believed that baby was the grace of God. He's not done being sad. And I feel anger. My challenge is I have to manage that anger while I sit with that sadness. Do you understand? So I'll be honest, and I debated, I prayed about this, whether to share this with you or not, but I do get frustrated when I hear people working to build or talk about sunshine too quickly in world situations where I'm not done being sad. That's me. I'm not being done sad yet. I want to hold out hope. But that's where I can feel it. But I feel God's conviction on me saying, Dave, you've got to manage your emotions. Because people make sense. You've got to be quick to listen. You don't know why they're coming from where they're coming from. You've got to be slow to speak. You've got to put a pause in there. Take in where they're coming from. And then you've got to sit with them in their own place. Why they're wanting to build up so fast. Before the dead are even buried. Got to do that, Dave. Applies to you too. So I'm learning. I'm right in the middle of that with you. Can I admit something really embarrassing to you? I got hooked this season. And that's a lie, because I got hooked last, the last part of last season. And I've been watching The Bachelor. <laughs> 
I debated whether to share that with you. I thought, how can they ever again listen to a talk by someone who's admitting that? But I do, I admit it. And I was watching him, and I'm watching this nightmare. It is a nightmare going on in that house. It's a nightmare. And I want to bring this to them, and I want to put it on a plaque. But I've got to give it to him. He is doing, for me, now he may not through the whole time. I don't know how long I could take it. But he's doing a pretty good job of managing his emotions. See, for, for me, I would just want to shut down after all that. I mean, there's all this stuff. Those of you who don't watch, good for you, <laughs> really. Bless you, and you're a better person than I am. I wholly confess this. But there's a lot of stuff going on in that house. People talking about each other and all this kind of stuff. The antithesis of what we're talking about here. And in the midst of this, what I've been impressed with is there's been times where he is talking about something. You listen to him. You listen. The first things out of his mouth, he will start listing his feelings. It's incredible. I feel really scared right now. He said that. I feel nervous right now. I feel, I feel led on. That's how he said. I feel teased. And it's incredible to watch how much respect he still has in that place. It's pretty incredible. I'm like, I'm taking notes from The Bachelor. <laughs> Lead with my feelings. See, there's an important tool there. Is that we have emotions. Managing your emotions, here's a trick. Imagine your emotions, and I've had you guys do this before, but I'll give it to you again. Imagine your emotions are about two inches behind your stomach wall. Imagine that all you got to do is kind of stop for a second, the pause, and imagine that you just search down and you have to find a name for it. What am I feeling? And I want to challenge you to find the most creative name you can. If you say good, find irritated, good, find irritated, um, okay. There's a, some research that got John Gottman done over the UW, and he's talking about how those words, when they wire people up and they hear somebody telling them that, doesn't do much for them. But you use a word like, I feel lost, I feel abandoned, I feel naked, I feel creative words. All of a sudden, the brain of the listener lights up. It's like we're wired to hear those words. And it evokes, here's the crazy thing, it evokes compassion. Isn't that crazy? Managing your emotions, it's all right to be angry. But there's a difference between acting out your anger then taking a pause, doing the search, and then giving it a name. I'm angry. That's true. I am angry. Yep. I am sad about Haiti. I am sad. That is very true. I am confused about God, why God keeps this middle chapter going on so long. I am confused. That is true. I feel hopeful because I believe James is right when he says that God is steady. That God is the same. I believe that. So I feel hopeful. I feel humbled because I don't know what to do. 
and when to do it. Some of you may have some of those feelings. Job is to manage them. One way you can do that is identify them. Give them a name. And then tell them to somebody. Instead of acting it out. Make sense? Build a bridge with that. It's okay to be angry at each other. You can still build a bridge. It doesn't have to build a wall. It's okay to be sad. It doesn't have to build a wall. You can build a bridge. God, give us your grace. Lord, we need it. We need your help. We need your spirit to prompt us, to equip us. Take these words, sift them, comb them. Whatever is not from you, let it drop away. Whatever is from you, let it grow like a seed in good soil with good water and good sunlight. That we would be people that are, I'm going I'm to pray this specifically, that each of us in this room would have a moment this week where we find ourselves surprised by how we're able to use communication in a way to build a bridge instead of where we might normally have built a wall. Where we've created a space to listen. Where there's been a pause. And where we've had an emotion that we've managed well by knowing it, naming it, telling it. And that when we do, when we have that moment of surprise, that we would be forced to give thanks to you. Because we know you see us as your first fruits, that you take delight in each and every one of us. It's your pleasure to watch us grow. And all God's people said...